<clears throat> so this, uh, this next series that I started last week is all about the name of Jesus. And we talked uh, a lot before Christmas about the, uh, the name of Jesus specifically. Um, give me one second here. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we honed in on was the, the different names that Isaiah had given Jesus as, uh, at, at, from a prophetic standpoint. And um, one of the things that we're going to start digging into now is, is more so centered around how do we use the name of Jesus in our everyday life? So last week we started just talking about the power that goes with the name of Jesus. We, and, I, and I shared that oftentimes, you know, when we're sick, we run to the doctor, which is good. We should be running to Jesus first and consulting with Jesus first. When we're broken, we should be going to Jesus. When we're hurting, going to Jesus. When we need rest, we should be going to Jesus. And, and sometimes that can be hard to not just go to your natural inclination of what do I need to do first, right? Our brains are wired to think in the way of, all right, if I have financial problems, I need to solve it on my own. I need another job. I need to do this. I need to do that. Instead of taking a pause and going to Jesus first. You know, we, we talked about and one of the names that Isaiah gives Jesus is he's our wonderful counselor. But we don't always treat him that way, right? We, we, we don't view him always as the person that can give us the best advice, even though we know that he can. So this week... I want to take what we started talking about last week and really start to look at how we put this into practice. What does it look like for us to use the power, the authority that Jesus has given us as followers of him in our everyday lives? I want to start giving us some practical ways to do this. But before I get into that, I want to share a story uh, that happened I love stories. Uh, I want to share a story of, of something that happened a few years ago. It was a year and a half ago. So we were uh, driving home to Cottage Grove from River Falls. We had just been at Life Group at Cliff and Sarah's house. And um, it was dusk. So I couldn't tell if my headlights were on or off. You know, it's that, like, that time of the night where there's enough light that you can't really see. Um, and, you know, I have four kids that love to push buttons. <laughs> and most of the time, our lights in our van are set to auto. Well, one of the kids changed that to off. But it was just to the point where I couldn't tell that, right? Like, there was enough light. And we're driving along Highway 29 back towards Prescott. And all of a sudden, uh, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's police lights on. And I wasn't speeding. I was like, what am I getting pulled over for? And the whole family is in the car. Everyone. It's not just me. It's everyone. It's everyone. Um, and you know, it's it's so it's so interesting to think of life through the lens of kids uh, because they instantly jump to conclusions. So Elijah, our four-year-old, he's in the middle the middle row, and you know, I, of course, I pull over. I'm, I'm like Sharice in the passenger seat. I'm like, I don't know why I'm being pulled over right now. I wasn't going that fast. Uh, the van's license, like the registration was up to date. Every, not, there was nothing wrong. And um, so the police officer walks up. And in the background, I hear Elijah say, oh, no, 
daddy's going to jail. <laughs> because he associated police officers with, you know, they arrest people, they take people to jail. So I talked to the officer, and of course he's like, did you know your headlights went off? And I said, I had no idea. I, I looked, I was like, now they are. And he's like, okay, have a great day. Um, but just the thought that Elijah had that I was going to go to jail because I had gotten pulled over was so incredibly fascinating to me. Not only because like he had never experienced that, he's never that was the first time he'd ever been in the car when Shri or I had been pulled over. We don't get pulled over very often. Um, it happens like it does to most of us, but not very often. And um, you know, I, I spent some time thinking about that and thinking about how kids view authority, right? So a police officer, you know, they they have a lot of times they have authority because of their uniform. You see them walk into an area and they have authority because they have a badge on their chest. You know, usually they're in a black or a blue or some color, color uniform. Maybe sometimes they've got the cool police hat on. Uh, they have authority because of the uniform they wear, right? Now, you can go buy a police uniform that's percent, right? You can go to Party City. You can go get a police cop, you, you know, whatever uniform. You could pretend. You could even get the cool lights that you could put on top of your car and pretend to be a police officer. But that doesn't make you a police officer, right? You don't have all of the authority that goes with being a police officer just because you have the uniform. I was in security at Target, and the first role that I had in security at Target was a target protection specialist. That was the official name, official title. What it was is I was a glorified rent-a-cop, let's be honest. I wore a dark blue uniform and I had a Target a target badge. It was actually like a, looked like a police officer badge, but it said Target Protection Specialist. <laughs> I had no authority outside of what happened in that store. And a lot of times, even what happened in the store, I didn't have a ton of authority. But because I wore the uniform, people instantly thought, oh, this is someone I need to respect, right? Oh, I, I had the authority. I was an 18-year-old kid. like. There was not a whole lot scary going on. You know, it was like 160 pounds soaking wet. Like there was not, that was not scary, not intimidating at all. I did have a pair of handcuffs on my belt. Uh, certified use those too. Um, but I had authority because of the uniform I was wearing. Again, if I could wear that uniform to Applebee's and they'd be like, you look like a rent cop well, Who are you, Paul Bart? Like what's going on here, right? But a police officer has authority not just because of the uniform, but because of what backs them. So when they go and make an arrest of somebody, they're not making the arrest on their behalf, they're making the arrest on what backs them. The police department yep. that backs them, the county that backs them, yep. the, you know, insert whatever, whoever they are, their United States Marshal, the United States government backs them. Their authority is given to them by the agency that they work for. So when they arrest someone, they are to abide by the laws and the rules of the authority that is given to them. So in this instance where Elijah thought I was going to get pulled over, it's because he understood the authority that went with the police officer. That when he saw him, he was like, whoa, cop, dad's going to jail. Because that's in his you know, brain, that's the steps that he took. And that could be because he saw... On a TV show, a police officer arrests somebody and they went to jail. Mm -hmm. All of that to say, authority is typically backed by something. Yep. You can pretend to be a police officer all you want. It doesn't make you a police officer. No. 
You can pretend to be a famous artist, and you're not a famous artist, <laughs> right? Because you don't have the skills that make you a famous artist. So I want to talk about authority today. And authority is, is one of those words that gets thrown around, thrown around a lot in the Christian circles, right? But I want to really dive into, like, first, where the authority that comes with Jesus comes from. Amen. Where does it start? How do we look back and go, okay, I see what backs the authority that we talk about. And then I want to talk about how we actually put it into practice. So, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now I'm going to read another passage of Scripture. Don't turn there, but we, we, we've talked about this recently. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it tells a similar story, but from a slightly different angle. It says, In the beginning, the word already existed the word was with god and the word was god he existed in the beginning with god god created everything through him and nothing was created except through him the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it i'm going to read one more passage of scripture we started at the beginning of the Bible, now we're going to go to the end. Revelation chapter 9, 12 and 13. It says, His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dripped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. Jump ahead to verse 16 in Revelation 19. It says, On his robe at his thigh was written this title. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So if we connect all of those together, we connect all those together. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the, beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I'm going to pause there. How many of you ever created something? I know Cliff creates about 200 pots every single day, right? Now yep. Cliff does that for his job. But if you've ever painted something or you've created something, what responsibility do you have for that item? So let's think of like a famous painting. Maybe the Mona Lisa. Tell me if this is wrong, I'm not an art major. Van Gogh painted the Mona Lisa, right? No, Da Vinci, Da Vinci. Da Vinci did. See, told you, Da Vinci. Let's talk about the Mona Lisa. Da Vinci paints the Mona Lisa. At the moment that he's done with the Mona Lisa, he could go, wow, that's a really cool painting. I'm just going to leave it. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm even going to hang it in my house. Or he could say, I'm going to display this. I'm going to put this up in front of everyone for everyone to see. Now, we all know Mona Lisa is in the Louvre, right? Yeah. Yep. Behind, like, super protected glass, yeah. glass and, like, this perfect environment, yep. right? Because it holds so much value. Now, in our world, I, I, do you think that when Da Vinci painted this this woman, 
that's really like relatively small, right? It's like, yeah, something really small, right? He probably didn't think, man, this painting is going to be known as a painting for years to come. People are going to know it by name. No, he was like, wow, he probably, that's a really cool painting. Probably didn't understand the significance of what he was creating. Now, he had a choice when he created it because he had the authority over what he created. He had the authority to say, this is what I want to do with this painting. He could have thrown it away. Maybe he did, right? Obviously, he didn't. But I'm sure that there were a lot of times that artists who created these incredible masterpieces, that wasn't the first time they did it, right? They have authority to determine what they do with it. God is our creator. He has authority as our creator to determine what to do with his creation. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. He created everything. Now, if we jump ahead to John chapter 1, this is where it connects it to Jesus. So we know that, that Jesus is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But in John chapter 1, John tells us that the Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. So we know God has authority over His creation. Jesus created everything. God created everything through Jesus. Because as we read in the book of Revelation, the title of Jesus is the Word of God. So if we connect all of those together, the Word gave life to everything that was created. And in Revelation, we know that Jesus' name is the Word of God. So if you look at that, all of those together, connecting all of them together, God creates the earth. He has the authority in the earth because he is the creator, right? God created everything through Jesus. Everything was made through him, and we know that Jesus is the word of God. So we can see that God is the ultimate artist, right? Everything was created through Jesus. If you look at the world, there's a lot of incredible, incredible things in this world, right? How many of y'all have ever been to the Grand Canyon? I know I have. It's an incredible, incredible place. If you've never been, I would encourage you at some point in your life to go there. But you could say any wonder of the world, right? Niagara Falls, absolutely unbelievable. You can see how God's workmanship and his masterpiece was there in creation. Without Jesus, nothing in this physical world would be possible. He was the one that breathed, breathed life into every living thing. Thus, he has dominion over everything he created. Just like we talked about with the artist, he has the ability to decide what to do with his creation. Jesus, God, has dominion over everything he created. So with Jesus being our creator... And him having dominion and authority over the world as its king, that means that he rules over all the powers, principalities, rulers of the air, whatever it may be. He has control and dominion over everything. Right? So we understand that. That because he created everything, he is the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He has power and dominion over everything in this world. You follow me? Okay. Hold on to that. I promise it won't be done. Because of that, 
when the name of Jesus is used or shared, or when Jesus is mentioned, the enemy shakes, right? We know that the name of Jesus can move mountains. It can do all of the things. So I want to look at an example as we dig into like some of the authority. I want to first look at an example of somebody who tried to use his authority, Jesus's authority in a way that wasn't appropriate. So turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to read in Acts 19. Many of you are probably familiar with the story. We studied Acts a few seasons ago in Life Group. You might even remember that from, from that time. But Acts chapter 19. And we're going to pick up in verse 13. So Acts 19, 13 says, A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Huh? Yes. <laughs> naked and battered. You know, this story is an incredible example of somebody trying to do something that they had no understanding of what they were trying to do. I think a relevant example would be, you know, there are very skilled firefighters in this world. They are, they train, they know how to fight fires. But if you said somebody like me, I am not trained to fight a fire. I can use a fire extinguisher, but if you want me to go fight a fire in a building with the fire hose and all the gear, I'm going to be lost. I can put on the uniform, just like we talked about the police officer. I can put on the uniform, I can have the helmet on, I can have the cool boots on, and I'm going to walk up and be like, now what do I do? Because I don't have the understanding, the training, to be able to do that job. I might be able to go and make some things wet, maybe hold on to the hose, right? Yeah. But most likely, I am not going to be successful in fighting that fire because I am not equipped to fight that fire. This example is a perfect example of people who were not equipped to use the power that they thought they were. There's another example in Acts 9 um, where someone sees the power that Jesus brings and they want to buy the power. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They want to buy it yeah. because they see the significance, the strength, everything that that power can bring. It's no different than in this situation. These priests saw Paul do all, doing all these miraculous things because Paul understood the authority that he had in Jesus' name. Right? In fact, earlier it says that handkerchiefs that would touch Paul would actually heal the sick. A handkerchief that just touched him. Think of the anointing that was flowing through that man's body. Absolutely incredible, right? So they see that, and they want it. They think, man, if we can go and do this, we can cast out demons. There's one line in, in what they say that I want to draw your attention to. In it, it says, I command you in the name of Jesus, that's good, whom Paul preaches. 
That part is very important. Because if they understood the authority in the name of Jesus, they wouldn't have to refer back to another man. Yep. yep. Amen. They could just say, in Amen. Jesus' name, get out. Yep. And the way that the demon responded to them, I know Jesus, obviously, and I know Paul. Who are you? Yep. Right? They didn't understand the authority that they had. They hadn't received Christ yet. Yep, no relationship. Exactly. They had no relationship with Christ. They thought they could do it in their own strength. Just by the words that came out of their mouth, without anything backing the authority yep. they were trying to use. They had nothing backing their authority. The thing is, is as believers, when we use the name of Jesus, we know that we have his backing. And everything that he is, is our backing. Amen. We can say in the name of Jesus, come out. And we know that it's not us doing it. Yep. Amen. We know that it's Jesus doing it. So, this is a perfect example of somebody trying to manipulate the authority that they knew existed, but they hadn't grabbed hold of. Now, I want to look at an example of someone who understood the authority and used it appropriately. So, I'm going to, I want to, I'm going to compare these two examples. So, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Turn with me there. Luke 10, 17 through 19. And a little context on what we're going to be reading. Before we, before we share this, Jesus has just sent out his disciples, two by two, to go and share the word, to let people know that Jesus was here. So we're going to pick up in, in, chapter, in, in chapter 10, verse 17. In it, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, and this next sentence is really important. I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Praise God. Wow. This is an example of disciples understanding who their backing was. Yep. Right? Amen. Understanding who their backing was. So when they went out, they knew they had Jesus to fall back on. Yep. They knew that behind them, they knew they had Jesus to fall back on. Even the, the demons obey us when we use your name. That's powerful. Amen. And if you look, this happened before Jesus had died yep. and rose yep. again and, res and, and ascended into heaven. The power that the, the seven yeah, sons of Sceva were that's trying good. to get at, all they would have had to do was say, Jesus, we accept you. We want you in our life. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. Because when we do that, Jesus comes in and takes over, and now he is our backing. Good. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if any of you have ever started your own business, uh, but a lot of times if you're going to start a large company, you need investors, yep. right? Because if you want to start a big business, there's a lot of things that you need to buy to start that business. It might be raw materials, it might be a building, it might be whatever. Those investors are your financial backing. Yep. So you know that as you're starting that business, you have people that can say, hey, I need an extra 10 grand. Can you give it to me? Sure. Because they believe in what you're doing. They're, you're, they're your backing. We know as believers that when we have something that we need, our backing 
is Christ. That we can call on Him and we can say, Lord, we need this. And He doesn't say no. His answer is always yes and amen. amen. So we might be walking through this horrible situation and we can turn back and say, hey, Jesus, I need help here. Amen. And he's not going to look at you and go, sorry, I've given you everything that I can today. I'll Maybe tomorrow. No, he's going to say yes, yes, yes. And then some. Because we know that when he is our backing, we have all of the authority that he has given, given us. It says in... In Luke, it says, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. What's the enemy's number one job? To steal, to kill, kill, and to destroy, right? The enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That means that Jesus has given us all the authority over all powers of the enemy to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the next time the enemy comes and tries to steal your joy, say, "Uh uh-uh, no. I am going to look at my backing. That's Jesus. Amen. He has given me all the authority yeah. to take back my joy. Yeah. The next time the enemy tries to steal your peace, say no. Not today. Not today, Satan, right? Amen. You are defeated. Yeah. All of the authority from God who created this universe is backing yeah. me. Yeah. So every time I use the name of Jesus, I'm not just using the name of I'm using everything that comes with Jesus. All right. the authority, all of the power that comes with Jesus. So, because of that, our authority only comes from Him. So I want, I want one more, one more verse, maybe a few more. Philippians two. Please turn to Philippians two six or seven. Sorry, I'm worked up because this is just so. It's so important for us to understand as believers that we don't have to try on our own. We have an incredible person backing us. So in Philippians two. Verses 6 through 7, or 6 through 11, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. Thank you. That he has given him the name above all other names. So the name of Jesus isn't just the name. It is the name above all other names. If there was a ranking of names... His name would be at the top. At the top. And you know what? When we choose to follow Jesus, we take on his identity. Yeah. Yes. Everything Amen. that he is. Amen. Right? Glory. We enter into a covenant with him. Yep. A covenant relationship. That means we enter into a contract relationship with him. For those of you that signed a contract, that is a legal binding document that says whatever this is, and Jesus paid for that with his blood. Yes. That contract is signed with his name, and we are signed right next to it. Good. Amen. So when we enter into a relationship with him, we get everything, all the authority, everything that comes with Jesus. He doesn't hold anything back. Amen. He doesn't. He doesn't hold anything back. So I want to start to close, and I want to I'm going to tell another story. 
I love, I love stories. I hope, I hope it's okay that I tell these stories. So one of my favorite movies as a kid was the movie Blank Check. Anybody ever seen that movie? Anybody ever seen that? So if you haven't seen it, the premise of the movie is this kid, uh, he's like probably 10 or 11 years old. He's riding his bike to the bank. And he's got something, maybe a, a check for his birthday from his grandma or something. And he goes and he cashes the check and he's, He's riding on the bank, and this guy backs his vehicle into his bike. The guy who happens to back his vehicle into his bike happens to be a crook. But he gives him a blank check. And this kid is pretty good with computers. And this is like the 90s. So we're talking like early early Macintosh, Apple years, right? And he takes that check, and he prints it with a million dollars on it. And he brings it back to the bank, and of course, he's a 10-year-old. What 10-year-old has a million-dollar check? Well, there was this scheme that this guy was trying to do to liquidate all of the cash out of this bank. He was working with this bank or whatever. I don't want to get into a ton of the details, but he brings this check in, and he ends up getting all of this money. And the course of the movie is him living this lavish lifestyle. <laughs> if you've never seen it, it's nostalgic. It's a pretty great movie. Uh, he ends up getting caught at the end and has to give it all back, and, and it's uh, it's pretty comical. And I promise that that ties into this. So you, when you think about that movie, this kid had a blank check. He signed it with this Mac, this guy Macintosh, which was the name of the computer, and that's how he got the money. Well, when we think about ourselves, and we think about, let's say, the Bank of Heaven, if we try to go and bring a check there with our name on it, not the name of Jesus. You're going to go and find that there's probably not a lot there. You bring a check that has the name of Jesus there. Amen. It has so much significance, so much power. I want to read something to you that I just found so compelling. Our spiritual checks have the name of Jesus on them. Jesus has literally given us his name. When I use that name, I'm confessing that he is mine and that I am his. It's like going to the bank of heaven knowing I have nothing deposited. If I go in my name, I will get absolutely nothing. But Jesus Christ has unlimited funds in heaven's bank, and he has granted me the privilege of going to the bank with his name on my checks. He is our backing. Amen. Amen. His authority is our backing. When we follow Christ, we get all of the authority that comes with him. The thing is, it's up to us to use it. Right? He has given you the keys to the car. And if you just go and sit in the car and never put the keys in and never turn it and never put it in a drive, you're just going to sit there. He's given you the keys to the car. It's up to us to put the keys in and start it and start going. Amen. That's what he wants us to do. Yeah, right. He wants us to move. Yep. He doesn't want us to stay stationary. Right. Yep. And the only way that we do that is by understanding who we are and whose we are. Amen. We are a child of the Most High God that rules and reigns over everything. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the Almighty God. And we are his kids. Right? When you turn 16, oftentimes your parents say, here are the keys. 
It might be to your car or to a new car. Would you be surprised if that 16 year old was like, thanks, and then they never drove it? That would be very weird. I remember when I was 16 and I got my keys to car, it was a 1986 Buick Century, spray painted brown. Yes, it was the greatest car. <laughs> it might have been uglier than Sin, but it was so great. As soon as I had my license, I was driving on my own, right? Driving on my own. My parents were like, go, please, drive yourself to basketball practice. I don't want to have to do that anymore, right? Because that's what 16-year-olds do. If they're given the keys to a car, they drive the car, right? Why shouldn't we do the same? Amen. If God is giving us the keys to a car and giving us the authority to drive it, we should drive it. But that's on us to do. That's on us. That's our responsibility to step into the driver's seat, to put it in a drive and to drive. And it starts by us understanding that we have the authority to do that. We have the authority, the ability. It takes us stepping out in faith, oftentimes. It takes us saying, God, I can't do this. I know you can. I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to drive. I don't know how to drive this car. I know you do. Right? Amen. It's like trying to build one of those giant Lego sets without the instructions. Oh, boy. Right? It's, it's impossible, right? We can't do it on our own. Jesus has given us the instruction manual in your Bible. Amen. And he's leading you to step out, to not be afraid to use the authority that he's given you. Why do you think we end prayer saying, in Jesus' name? Because there is power in Jesus' name, right? Amen. We end prayers with, in Jesus' name, because we understand the significance and the power that go with the name. Amen. So the next time you're in a bind, the next time you're in a situation and you don't know how to get out of it, Instead of going, how am I going to do this? Start by going, how is God going yeah. to do this? Yeah. How is God going to rescue me out of this? How is he going to take care of my finances? How is he going Amen. to take care of my relationships? Amen. Because there's power in his name, and we have all the authority that goes with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.